Welcome back to the Panos Marili Show. We had 10 games on tap last night. We got three tonight. We have 14 tomorrow. Today's Wednesday. We got Panos and Raven here with us. How you doing, Pano? I'm doing great. Well, you want to jump right into it? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so we haven't recorded for... Has it been a week? No, not yet. But like almost a week. A little under. Yeah, almost a week. Um, so a lot of stuff has happened since our last recording. Um the biggest news probably being Patrick Kane signing in Detroit, the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, what do you think about that fit? Personally, I um, think it's a good fit for the Red Wings. I don't know how many teams were actually, I mean, you can tell me a little bit about this, but by the end of it, how many teams were actually going to be truly in the running for Patrick Kane? Um, there's been some talk of Dallas being a team that was out there. But we know that the Stars have uh, dealt with a lot of players, or at least Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, that have had that hip surgery before. And I think I think the whole thing with Patrick Kane is um, not a lot of people know how he's going to react to the hip surgery, right? We d- already dealt with the loss of Nick Backstrom this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I just think that this hip surgery is, the hip resurfacing is not, um, it's not guaranteed that Patrick Kane's going to come back to 100%. So I think everybody's excited to watch him play with Alex Brinkett, see where he fits in the lineup. Like maybe it's Kane, Larkin, Debrinkit. Um, There's some talk that maybe JT Comfort's going to be a center when it starts. Um, so I think it's a good fit. I think Buffalo could have also tossed out that same one-year offer. I don't know that he wouldn't have gone multi-year with the contract if it was with Buffalo. Um I think at 275, the Leafs were out of it. And same thing with the Panthers a little bit. He might have taken a little less to go with the Cats. Um, but what do, you, what do you think? What are your thoughts on Kane to the Red Wings? I mean, like you said, we don't know if he's going to be 100%. And I saw a tweet um, yesterday that was like, all the players who have had the surgery that Patrick Kane had, like Nicholas Backstrom has played under 50 games since then, and he had like 22 points. Ryan Kessler never played again. Ed Jovanovsky played like 20-something games after it. Um, so it's a hard, hard surgery to come back from. Um, but also none of those players were close to the level Patrick Kane is at his prime as well. So, I mean, who knows? Even last season, Patrick Kane had 50-something points. So, you know, we don't really know how bad he's going to be. We'll see. I think of the teams that were interested, Detroit was one of the better teams to, you know, fits-wise. Um, he wanted a multi-year deal from any team originally. That's what he was looking for. But I guess they weren't offering him the money that he wanted for a multi-year deal. So, uh, that's or just no teams wanted to give him a multi-year deal. So, that's why he signed for one year. Um, I know that... Um, Florida was in it. Dallas was in it. Um, Tampa had kicked tires before, uh, according to reports. And then Toronto obviously was in and out of it. But with Toronto, their bigger issue is more defense. Um, even though their depth scoring is a little inconsistent too, like they do need more defense, I would say, than uh, a guy like Patrick Kane. Do you think the Avs were in it at all? Apparently they had kicked tires. I don't know how serious they were, but I saw reports that they kicked tires on Patrick Kane. So... Personally, I mean, I guess I thought that would have been the best fit where he could have just like gone and played and like they really could have put him in a position in Colorado where they could have sheltered him a lot and let him kind of heal at his own pace. But I don't know. That's just my yeah, opinion. I mean, I, I could have seen them being interested, too, just because like they were expecting Jonathan Drew to kind of be that that type of guy and the, like they could plug in with McKinnon or something. 
Um, and now he was even he's even been healthy scratched at some points during the season, Jonathan Duran. So he hasn't really panned out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see how Patrick Kane does. I hope for his sake, because he is a fun player to watch, that he, you know, gets healthy and is fine after the surgery. But history shows that's not usually the case with those types of players. So do you think it works out? I mean, if he's healthy, I think it works out because him and Debrin could have that chemistry. If he plays on that power play too, that could help that power play even more. So if he is healthy and he gets back to even what he was last season with the Rangers and um, Chicago, I think it would work out good and the contract is worth it. But if the injury hampers him, we could see him on LTIR by like the trade deadline even, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be kind of, I think that would be kind of interesting. Um, I think if the Red Wings have won three in a row, so I think if they had lost three in a row coming back from Sweden, instead of winning all of them, Patrick Kane probably makes a different decision. Um, I will say I, I do think that it makes the Red Wings better, definitely, no matter what. Uh, they're getting Patrick Kane and the ability to put him in the lineup. And like we said, just more more scoring depth, more forward depth. Probably somebody like Daniel Sprong might come out of the lineup. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I think that's a good that's a good move for Detroit. It definitely makes them a better team. They're already like third in the Atlantic too, right? So above Tampa and above Toronto. So it's it's a good move for them, totally. Um, Minnesota Wild fired D- Dean Evanson and uh, Bob Woods, and they bring in John Hines. They won last night 3-1, to one. Um, first win in the John Hines era. Panos, how are we feeling about the Minnesota Wild? I know that you know we can unpack the Wild, but what do you what do you think about the coaching move? First of all, um, I mean, coaches are very very like dependent on uh, the team structure as well. So one coach may be good one place, bad another place, or bad in one place, good in another place. But John Hines, like over the course of his career, has probably been the most mid coach you could ever see. Like even if you look at his career numbers, like it's just all mid. Um, but like you look at the teams that he's also coached and you could be like the mid performance might actually be good in his favor because both those teams weren't great. Um, but for a team like Minnesota, which has basically been stuck in mediocrity ever since they became a franchise, I feel like you would want to make maybe a bigger splash at your coaching position, maybe like a, uh, Jay Woodcroft just got fired in Edmonton. Um, and he's been, he's worked with Minnesota before. Um, Gerard Gallant has the history of, you know, at least turning teams around at the beginning of his tenures. So I feel like that would have been a better move than a John Hines, which I feel like just kind of at most moves you laterally from Dean Evison. I think Dean Evison is a good coach as well. I think maybe his message wasn't working in the locker room anymore, but as a coach structure wise, his teams have always overperformed what they were expected to do originally you know Minnesota was never expected to be like a playoff team consistently but Dean Evison had them in the playoffs consistently since taking over so so good I, move, kind of but not really yeah kind of but not really because like like the same thing I said in Edmonton with Jay Woodcroft like even if a coach is good their message can kind of wear out on a team and then you have to make the move and Minnesota obviously has been really bad this year but I think it's more so due to the fact that they have 15 million stuck in dead cap and they have two goaltenders that are majorly underperforming. So I don't, I honestly wouldn't say it's a good or bad move. I just think that adding John Hines to replace uh, Dean Evison is a lateral move that does nothing. Uh, but I do like the hiring of Pat Dwyer because he was one of the first hockey cards I got back when I was collecting hockey cards back in the day and Pat Dwyer, Carolina Hurricanes hockey card. So or Chicago was, Wolves coach, you're wearing a shirt yeah. right now too. He, he won it, yeah. He won it with the Chicago Wolves, uh, not this year, but he a won it as a coach. Ago. Yeah. 
Um, so I agree with you. I think John Hines is, you know, you don't want to put someone in a box, but he's generally coached some pretty middle-of-the-pack teams, and he hasn't done anything crazy like bring the Predators or, you know, we, we saw Taylor Hall with his Hart Trophy winning season under John Hines. So the the hope is that he can kind of coach Kirill Kaprizov in that same way and kind of get what he got out of Taylor Hall out of Kirill. Um, I think it's going to be a struggle. I think Minnesota is already in that middle of the pack team. I would have liked them to have seen an outside of the box coaching hire. Um maybe like a Jay Woodcroft, but maybe even more off the base like that because they're Minnesota, I think, has just, like, can, can we not say that they've been arguably the most mid-team of the last, like, 10 years? Like, the, the definition of the Minnesota Wild is getting bounced in the first round. Like, when are you either going to commit to a full-on rebuild or you're going to go all-in with the players you have, like Joel Eriksson and Jared Spurgeon and Kirill Kaprizov, these kinds of guys. Um, like, Minnesota's not making the playoffs this year, right? Like, no. I mean, I, they could if they turn it around, but if they continue playing, obviously But do you not. genuinely think they're going to? I, I don't. Uh, Central's pretty trash, man. The Central Division's pretty trash. Like, you got the top two teams, top three teams, obviously Colorado and, and Winnipeg and Dallas. But one of those, te- like, Winnipeg could easily fall off, too. They are overperforming what you expected from them before the season. Um, and, you know, it just takes one more central team to make it over a team like that. That's fair. That's fair. I, like I just Saint, think... Like, St. Louis had a little bit of a run after a rough start. They're above 500, I believe, now, you know? Yeah, but they they're getting stops. Like Philip Gustafson yeah. is not stopping the puck right now. But he, but he's shown that he can in the past. That's what I'm saying. Like if you can just get him back there. But right now, him and Flurry have both been awful. Like they're the reason Minnesota's losing mainly, along with the fact that Minnesota has a pretty shitty offensive core because they traded, like they bought out those two guys, which has handicapped them on the salary cap. Yeah. Uh, and the, the good thing for Minnesota is like Jonas Brodeen has the best defensive analytics out of every defenseman in the league this year. Like he's been the best defensive defenseman. That's a positive. Marco Rossi, who's on an entry level deal, is performing to help you out with the fact that you have no cap space. So a guy like Marco Rossi has to perform, and he's doing that. But then you got guys like Kaprizov, who's been like so inconsistent this season, along with the fact that their goaltending's been abysmal. So I mean, if I remember correctly. Um... Freddie Goudreau does not have a point this season. I might be mistaken on that. He scored yesterday. Oh, he did score yesterday? He scored yesterday in the win, but before that he had nothing, which sucks because he was actually really good last season. So Yeah, so I I think it's a little hard. I also think that, believe it or not, the the Wild, you know, they do have Jonas Brodin, top defensive analytics. Um, Their whole decor has kind of been lauded around the league as kind of always playing that way, right? Just being really deep and really strong and underrated. Um, I think the loss of Matt Dumba has underscored maybe a bit of it. And now you're, you know, like you're rolling out um, Jacob Middleton a lot. Not to say he's not a great player, but, you know, when you've got a guy like that and, you know, you're replacing, uh, I'm trying to look up who else they have on defense. I know they just brought in Zach Bogosian, but you got John Merrill and Alex Galagoski and uh, Brock Yeah, they have some pretty... They have some pretty bad defensemen in terms of defensive abilities, but like their top two guys defensively are, are Brodeen and Faber, and both those guys are, I think are top ten defensemen uh, analytically on the defensive side of the game. 
So, I mean, Brock Faber as a rookie has been really good. But like like you said, like I don't think losing Dumbo was the problem. I just think the fact that they don't really have much defensive depth after those few guys. Uh, Jared Spurgeon is also good as well. Uh, but after that, you've got, like like you said, Goligoski, who's been in and out of the lineup. I know he's been hurt this season, but last year he even got healthy scratched at some points. So, I mean. So, is it all about just getting stops? Basically, and, and getting Kaprizov to perform like a superstar, which is what they're paying him to be and what they've basically said he is. He's not playing like a superstar this season, and his playoff have not been superstar-like either whenever Minnesota's been in the playoffs. So, I mean, they need him to be the franchise guy that they're acting like he is last wild question is mark andre Fleury a member of the minnesota wild by the end of the season i think so just because i don't think he wants to uh move again for like the fifth time in the last few years yeah uh but so i think he's gonna stay there i, don't, I just think he wants to chase down that uh the wins spot i think he's like second he's so close to passing wall right for second yeah yeah, so I don't think he's going to get Broder, obviously, unless he plays like 10 more years. <laughs> but he's really close to passing. Well, I think he'll do that. He'll get that record for second place. And then I think he's done in the NHL. Maybe go be a goaltending coach somewhere else. Um, or maybe just disappear into the abyss after his hockey career is done. Nobody really knows. Yeah, I, I hope they turn it around. It would be nice if Flower could get um, some postseason games in before. And who knows? This might not be the end of his NHL career. I know a lot of people are already painting that even though he hasn't really said anything about it but it'd be nice well he said he doesn't he said he's going to make the decision after the season because he doesn't want it to affect the. he doesn't want like a farewell tour taking away from the minnesota wilds thing which is like such a flower thing too you know totally uh, as much as i'm a critic of flurry's performance you already know I'm, i've been a big critic of his career uh but he's you know one of the most class acts in the league uh, i just think i mean he had the opportunity to leave minnesota in free agency um last year uh, Toronto was pursuing him. There was a few other teams, and he chose to stay in Minnesota. So I feel like you can't really put the blame on anyone else other than him. No, I think the the nostalgia part of me wants to see him finish out his career wearing a Penguins jersey a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's where I thought he was going to go, honestly, when he was in free agency last year. I thought he was going to be a Penguin for sure, but that just didn't happen. Yeah. Sticking with the goaltenders, the Buffalo Sabres have loaned Devin Levi to the Rochester Americans of the AHL. Um, Devin Levi has struggled a little bit. Uka Pekka Lukanen has won a couple games for the Sabres, including a 5-1 game in Madison Square Garden. Um, they've felt the need to put Eric Comrie in there from game to game. They're currently riding, or I guess they're not anymore, that Levi's down. But they were riding with the three-goaltender system for a little while. Um, thoughts on Devin Levi? I mean, listen, I don't want to say I told you so to Sabres fans, but I did. All right. Before the season, I had them missing the playoffs and people were saying we improved our defense. That was the one thing. And they said Devin Levi is an upgrade from their goaltending last year. And I said, you can't rely on a rookie goaltender that was a seventh round pick three years ago playing in the CCHL to come be your savior when you haven't made the playoffs in 10 years. And your defense was one of the worst in the league last year. And then I'm not blaming Devin Levi. Like he wasn't supposed to be a franchise saver right away. He's 21 years old, but Sabres fans were all saying he's going to be this guy. He's going to win Calder. He's going to, you know, be one of the best goaltenders. I've seen some people say that this guy is going to be, he, I, I saw some people say he'd be on the three string rotation for team Canada before the season. At the Olympics? I was, I was, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like They were like, if the Olympics were today, Devin Levi would be one of the top three goaltenders in Canada, which was crazy to me. 
And I like Devin Levi. I'm literally rooting for his career, but Sabres fans overrated him early on. He can't he can't save a bad defensive core in Buffalo. Um and Uko Pekalukan is just doing better like so far, which is not a you know a knock on Devin Levi because Uko Pekalukan was supposed to do this like four years ago. So I mean he's finally playing to his potential now. And you know, Levi can go develop in Rochester for a bit. Do you think it's long before he's called up? I, I can't see it being too long, like more than 10, 15 games. I think it should be. I think it should be. I don't think they should bring him up because what all that's doing is just ruining his potential some more. Like, like I said, he wasn't a first or second round pick. This guy was a seventh round pick in 2019. He had a crazy world junior run with Canada. He had a crazy NCAA career, obviously, but that doesn't mean you play him the second he's ready to be in the NHL. Like he should develop, like especially goaltenders take a longer time to develop. So Levi, in my opinion, should be in Rochester for at least the rest of the season. Uh, he has like below an 880 in the NHL right now. So, you know. Yeah, I, I will I will throw this out there. I don't, and I think you made this point too. I don't think this is a slight on Devin Levi's development at all. I don't think this is a slight on the type of goalie he can be. Um, I've been doing a lot of digging personally into the goaltenders, and I don't know if you can throw an, an opinion in on this, but... A lot of the goaltending this year just kind of looks the same. It's really hard to distinguish who is, you know, we do know who some of the better goalies are. Obviously, Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, Sorokin, Hellebuck, um, these kinds of, Ottinger, these kinds of guys, right? But once you get into that, like, middle tier, you know, that, that 1A, 1B kind of tier of goaltending, I'm not talking about, like, the replacement level guys, like, because... And I think this is also a part of it, too. Like, there are some goaltenders in the NHL right now this year that should not be goaltenders in the NHL. Um, but a lot of these guys, like the Aiden Hill type, the, you know, like, I could watch a Vegas game, and I wouldn't know if it were Aiden Hill or Logan Thompson in the net, other than the fact that they catch different with different gloves, right? Um, yeah. Like, they look like the same dude. So, um, Levi brings, like, a sort of creativity to the position and he's just he's super athletic and just makes these crazy stretches and he works on it and he works on these scorpion saves and these these out of position saves and he loves posting the clips on instagram and um he is pioneering or trying to leave his mark on a position in a time where goaltending right now is more robotic than ever you know like the the and and I think that's even like a development thing that we're now just starting to see at the highest level where these guys are just being like programmed like robots. And now we're getting the 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 result of it, which is a lack of creativity in the position. So I'm a huge Devin Levi fan. I will also stick up for him because you brought up his save percentage. The Buffalo Sabres defense is a total mess right now. Um, Owen Power. Well, that's what I said. Yeah, that's like Owen, said. Power, Owen basically... Power's not playing well. Yeah, no, he's been bad. I've seen Sabres fans saying they want to sit him too because he's been so bad. So, like, Buffalo's defense has been really bad. I'm not, you know, putting that save percentage to slight Devin Levi. Like you said, I'm also a big fan of him too, and I think he's going to be a really good goalie in the NHL. But it's going to take time to develop. Like, he's 21, and he was a seventh-round pick playing the CCHL. The only reason he got drafted is because Roberto Luongo scouted him in one of those games, and the Florida Panthers said, um, you can do whatever you want with the seventh-round pick. You can draft whoever you want. And Luongo chose Devin Levi because of that. If Luongo didn't do that, is Levi even drafted in the first year that he was a uh, picked in? Probably not. not. No, probably not. Right from the CC out of the CCHL. So I mean, um, I don't know. I, I think he has to sit for at least a year in Rochester, and I don't think that's a slight on him at all because 
he can be really good. He's so young still. Yeah, it's um, it takes those goalies a while, even when you're. I think I think the inclusion on the Canada Olympic roster, his numbers. I don't know if people true. I think some people do, but like his numbers in college were otherworldly, like generational type. And I think that's how it went from this guy's a seventh round pick to okay, this guy can be a starter in the National Hockey League right away. But you're right, it is it's the toughest position to try and do that with, and I think he'll do well from at least a little bit of time in round. But also with like the NCAA numbers is like I'm just searching this up right now. Like I mean. Eric Portillo, who's an LA Kings prospect, had like a 927 and a 935 in two of his seasons in NCAA. Um, there's one guy who was on, he was a Toronto Marlies prospect. Dryden McKay. Dryden McKay, yeah. He had an amazing year in college too. And those guys, realistically, are they going to be ever like elite starters in the NHL or starting for their national team? Probably not. Meanwhile, you've got guys like, saying that Devin Levi is going to be the starter of Team Canada if the Olympics were today, top three goalie. Like, when they said that before the season, I was already thinking of, like, seven goalies in Canada that are better than Devin Levi right now. Who's your – we won't spend too much time on this, but who's your Team Canada three goaltenders? Because we know that that's a national crisis in your country is goaltending. <laughs> okay, so my three goaltenders in Team Canada. Aiden Hill, I think, has to be in the top three. He's one of the best goalies this year. Wow. Okay. He, he is, bro. No, he's one yeah, of the best yeah. this year. He's, he's top three in goals that would have expected, and he won the Stanley Cup Fair. as a starter. Okay. Yeah. I think that um, Jordan Bennington, I would still have him in there. Yeah. And Carter Hart, in my opinion. Carter Hart would probably be the starting goaltender if you're going based off of just how good the goalies are. Carter Hart is the best of those three, and he's the best goalie in Canada. And then you've also got guys like Cam Talbot, in my opinion, is better than Devin Levi, you know, even this season especially. Uh, Tristan Jari, as much as I critique him, he's better than Devin Levi. Um, Logan Thompson, better than Devin Levi. Connor Ingram is better than Devin Levi. And Jake Allen. All those guys are Canadian. Yeah. And all those guys are better than Devin Levi. So I don't know how anyone could even make the take that Devin Levi is a top three goalie in Canada right now. Even yeah. before this season. I think he'll get there. He'll get there, but not will, definitely not right I think now. he will be a top three goalie in Canada in his prime. But right now, there's no way. Yeah. So the Boston Bruins have lost four of their last five games. Um, are the Bruins falling off, Panos? I mean, it kind of, okay. I am actually wanting the Bruins to do good because of how much people underrated them before the season. But also at the same time, Bruins fans act like I hate their team so much. So a little tiny part of me is like happy they're getting humbled just a little bit. Yeah. But I do want to see them still make the playoffs. And, you know, because Boston's obviously a rich franchise, you know, with lots of history. And I like Jeremy Swayman a lot. I like Brad Marchand a lot. Um, I don't think they're falling off, but I don't think they were as good as their early season heater showed either. I think they're a playoff team in the East, but I don't think they're going to even, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't even win the Atlantic, honestly. Yeah, I think um, part of what happened last season was, a lot of people talk about the need to face adversity during a hockey season, and I think it's abundantly clear that Boston really didn't face that much adversity last year until they met the Florida Panthers, and it was too little too late. Um, I think it's a, I think it's good for the team that they're experiencing that now, right? A bit of a swoon. Um, they can address it and look at themselves. I think the, the difference with Boston is they – don't have a Patrice Bergeron and a David Krejci this year, obviously, right? So you're banking on guys more on the fringes, like, you know, I know I'm naming wingers here, but Morgan Geeky and JVR and 
these types of players. And, you know, if we're really talking about the center depth, then, you know, Pavel Zaka is playing as a number one center right now. In my opinion, he's not a number one center in the NHL. Um, Charlie Coyle has been good this season, but they don't, no matter how much Charlie Coyle scores, they don't give him first, second, like, like they consistently keep him on the third and fourth line, which I think if you're Boston is where you want someone like Charlie Coyle, but, um, I, I just think that there is going to need to be a play at center for them to really assert themselves as one of those top three teams in the NHL, because I think they played like it and they gave you right. You're right. They gave off the illusion that. You know, that early season heater coupled with last season's whole performance, right? They had won like 80 of their last 100 games yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I do think they need, like a center needs to come in to Boston to kind of right the ship for them a little bit and bring that stability in the middle of the ice for them. Um, and like Matthew Poitras, the rookie, has been solid, but you can tell he's a rookie that is still learning the NHL, especially because he wasn't a high draft pick and it wasn't drafted that long ago. Yeah. So he's still learning like the NHL. Like he had a really bad turnover against uh, Detroit, which led to a goal. But the thing I liked about that as well was um, Jim Montgomery basically told him that they want him to make turnovers like that because they want him moving the play like that often. He was, it was. In the neutral zone, he turned it over when he was trying to skate up with the puck and Debrinkit got a breakaway and scored. Um, and they ended up losing that game. But, you know, to keep giving that confidence in him because he has been a solid rookie so far. He's been a top 10 rookie probably. Um, and you want him to be a guy who's with you in your center depth for a long time. But they do need a center right now because I don't think he's ready to be a top six center, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I think Patra looks really good, but um, yeah. he's young. He's, he's a kid. And I honestly think they might even do the Shane Wright thing with him. Um, that they'll keep him, they might send him to the World Juniors and then decide what happens afterward. Maybe they send him back to Guelph, right? Um, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Um, the the one tie-in, I know I didn't put this on our list, but it, it does kind of tie in with the Bruins a little bit, is the Calgary Flames, right? I brought, in, I brought up the need for a center. I think if the Bruins were to bring in a center, I think the target is Elias Lindholm. You could tell me if I'm wrong or if there's anybody I'm missing. Well, they've been linked to him. They have, Before. they have. Yeah. So my question is, is, is that a serious pursuit? And maybe we can dovetail this into a little bit of Calgary talk is they've won a few games as of late. And are they now going to hold on to the guys like Lindholm and Tanev and Sadorov? Eventually they're going to have to ship them off, but is it going to be maybe a bit of a longer process or they might hang on to a few of them in the pursuit of a playoff spot? Cause we were talking about the fact that it, you know, if you're if you're a few points out of it in the West, you're really not out of it yet. I, I mean, I personally, if I'm Calgary, I'm holding on to these guys as long as I'm in the playoff race because I think Calgary. I've always been a big fan of Calgary these last two seasons and think they have a good roster and a roster that has un- underperformed a lot based off of the guys that they have. All they need is these guys to perform to the level we know they can be, and they're we're talking about them, you know, being a top contender rather than a team that's struggling to make a playoff spot and sell off pieces like Jonathan Huberto and Nazim Kadri are struggling tremendously Kadri not as much as Huberto those guys are playing way worse than we know they can be and have played worse than we know they can be through their t- entire tenure in Calgary if they just get back to even close to what they should be that's two massive pieces for Calgary they also have Connor Zarian so I mean I don't think I wouldn't ship Elias Lindholm off unless I'm like 10 points out of a playoff spot if I'm Calgary. Okay. Um, and and if I'm Boston, I'm not trading 
a goaltender for a center though. They do need a center. I would pursue a center as much as possible, but like I've seen the Nugent Hopkins for Linus Allmark things. I wouldn't trade Linus Allmark or Jeremy Swayman. How does Calgary get someone like Jonathan Huberdeau going? Cause it's been so, I mean, we're going on a season and a half now of, yeah. it looks like this guy's head is still in Florida. looks like his feet are still in Florida too. Um, you know, we've seen images of him being benched this season, just sitting on the end of the bench with his head down. Um, Jonathan Huberto is not really having a great time in Calgary. And this is someone that I watched a lot of, like, hockey, right, on the Florida Panthers. I watched his Calder Trophy winning season pretty up close. And it, it is tough to watch him struggle like this. And I think that, that that's a big reason why Calgary isn't seeing the success that they want to or envisioned right now. I don't know how to even get him going. Like, I really don't know. I just know that he didn't forget how to play hockey when he went from Florida to Calgary, right? He was one of the most skilled players in the league, one of the best playmakers in the league. He led Florida in points all time, games all time, all that. So he was a franchise legend in Florida. I know that's not saying much because Florida is one of the least enriched franchises in the NHL's history, but he was, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, he didn't forget how to play hockey, but I don't know how you get him going because, like you said, it's been almost two seasons. Now, like, at the end of this season, if he's still not going, it's been two seasons that he hasn't done anything in Calgary. This is the first year of that eight-year extension, too. Yeah. Like, this problem is not going away at all. Yeah. I don't know if it's like you have to get him someone that he can, you know— Playmake too, you know, like in Florida, he had Barkov on the power play. He had Duclair for a good amount of time too. Yeah. And then Calgary, I mean, but in Calgary, he's got like, I know Kadri's also struggling on and off, but he's got Kadri, he's got Manjapane, who is known to be able to go on little goal scoring streaks. If, if you want to compare him to Duclair, I mean, you know, so it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know what you can even do to get him going anymore in Calgary, but I just know that he didn't forget to play hockey. And it's not like he can never get back to that. I just don't know what you can do. We also saw in Calgary, uh, Dusty Nickel serve as the backup to Dan Vladar after Jake yeah. Markstrom was out sick after the deadline. Everybody, I know everybody was like, why this is the wrong Dustin. You should have had Dustin Wolf come up. Calgary's AHL affiliate is right in the same city in Calgary. Why there is a deadline. There is a 5 p.m. deadline. I'm pretty certain that you have to call up players by for that day. And if not, then you need to use the emergency backup. So that's the reason we got Dusty Nickel. Panos, you have a few words on our man Dusty. Yeah, he follows Puck Empire. So shout out out to uh, Dusty Nickel. I was actually hoping that he would play, bro, just because, like, First of all, it adds a player to the all-time list of Canadians in the NHL, which, you know, we need to get that. We need to get the, you know, the head start on the Americans because in 50 years, Americans are going to be catching up to Canadians in the NHL, I bet. We're coming, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, I did some little historian stuff here, all right? All right. And if Dusty Nickel played, he would have been the 147th Calgary-born player in NHL history. Okay. 14th Calgary-born goaltender in NHL history. And the fourth Calgary-born goaltender to play for the Flames, which would have been really sick. Like a guy who hadn't played in 10 years goes plays for his hometown team at 32 years old. Do you have the names of the other Calgary guys that played for the Flames or no? I, didn't I know that. Mike Vernon is one. Okay. I don't know who the other two are. All right. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. okay. But I did, my, I did the research there. One guy was another guy who played one game back in like the 80s as well. So, I mean, that uh, would have been cool to see him play for his hometown team. I was really hoping it would be either a blow on one side or maybe like Vladar lost a skate blade and had to go off for a little bit for equipment stuff. 
but he didn't get to see the ice time, unfortunately. Vladar went down. The, they interviewed Dusty after the game, and Vladar went down in the first like five or so minutes of the game. And you know, Dusty Nickel was saying in his press conference that he was a little nervous that there were <laughs> fifty-five minutes left on the clock. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I would like to have a little bit of an e-bug discussion with you because, look, I'm not an e-bug hater. I'm not against it. I don't think that they should change the rule at all. But the fact that this guy hasn't played an organized hockey game since tw- 2012, you're telling me in a hockey mad market in Canada, like Calgary, that there's not one guy that played hockey game in the 2020s that they could have gotten to serve as the backup? Other than well, Dusty Nickel, well, apparently, apparently he does like practice as the e bug with Calgary. So he's been on the ice, and he probably plays in like a beer league or something. But he hasn't played in an organized competitive hockey game in a decade. Back when he played for the University uh, Mount Royal University in Calgary. So I mean, listen, I love e bugs, so I I have no complaints. I think it's really cool to see basically like an everyday Joe be able to go play in the NHL. I think it's sick. I think it's so cool. But I mean. It is a little goofy at the same time because could you imagine if like the NFL brought in like some dude that played, you know, some like travel football back 10 years ago? It's like if they bring an XFL player in. No, it's not even like that. No? No, an XFL player is a professional football player. You can argue that. It's literally like if if you brought in a guy who played travel 10 years ago as a quarterback and went on to, you know, he didn't play. It's like an intramural basketball team in college. Jesus. (laughs) I also want to throw this out there that Dusty Nickel played one game at Mount Royal University his entire four years there. It was his first year, and then he didn't play a game the remaining three seasons there. Yeah, he was the third stringer at Mount Royal. Before that, he played in the AJHL, which is like a good junior Albertan league. But, I mean, his numbers numbers weren't very good there, though. Okay, respect Dusty Nickel. Respect Dusty Nickel. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Enough of the He slander. played in the same league that Kale McCarr played in, all right? No, that's fair. Not at the same time, but... No, not at the same time. So uh, one of the teams that the Boston Bruins lost to was the Columbus Blue Jackets, and um, they recorded a feat that nobody had ever recorded before. I think it was against the Bruins. I might be mistaken. I'm not super up-to-date on all my Columbus Blue Jackets games, but I did... Watch this one where uh, four Russian players scored in the same game for the first time in NHL history. I was super shocked that that had never happened before. Uh, for the same team. For the, for the same, same team. team. For the same team. Uh, Voronkov, Marchenko, Provorov, and um, who am I forgetting? Provorov, Chichinkov. Chinnikov. Chinnikov. Yeah. And Chinnikov. then also Justin Danforth played in Russia. Before he came to Columbus, if you want to count that oh, as a thing. okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, he hit the empty net in that game, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that game came amidst reports that Dmitry Voronkov was feeling homesick and wanting to return to the NA or re- wanting to return to the KHL in Russia. Um I guess he's changed his mind a little bit. Columbus fans did a lot to show him the love that game, and then he scored too. So um thoughts on the uh, Voronkov situation. I also heard that Chinikov requested a trade out of Columbus. Um, just thoughts on the the Russian situation in CBJ land. I mean, I haven't even I haven't heard of the Chinikov one. I don't know if it's an older report or if it's like just happened. I heard I heard it last yesterday afternoon. Wow, I missed it. I guess I don't know, <laughs> but um, 
I'm I'm happy that uh, Veronikov, at least now, apparently he's walked back his decision he's going to stay because he is a really good player and Columbus fans have been waiting for him to come over from Russia for years. Uh, but it's hard, like, you know, leaving your family. I mean, I literally have homesick tatted on my knuckle here, you know, from when I when I left the family, you know. So, I mean, it's hard. Uh, it's probably harder for him. He moved to a different continent and can't speak the language. Yeah, you went across uh, the province. All right, everybody. It's eight, it's eight hours, sorry. <laughs> It's eight hours. Sorry. <laughs> Don't cheer everybody. But um, yeah, I mean, he moved to a continent where he doesn't even speak the language. Um, but he's a great player. So I'm happy that he's going to stay there. I think that stat that four Russian born players all scoring for the same team in the same game never happening before is crazy to me. I didn't I didn't know that was even a thing until you told me before we started recording. Yeah, I'm, I'm just surprised it never happened in the days of the Russian five, right? With yeah. The Red Wings and um, super impressive. I was just doing a little research, and apparently they came close to having. I think they had three at one point where the three of them scored, but never had four. Okay. Um, I think we close the book here on the hockey talk with uh, a little bit of Leafsland talk. Panos, what is going on in the world of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Um. So. Toronto Maple Leafs are doing bad at hockey. Is what's going on. <laughs> is what's going on. I'm looking at the stats. Well, they, right here. So they beat the Panthers in a shootout yesterday. That it at first looked like they had lost. Right. Yeah. It looked like Florida had scored the winner in the shootout, and then they went back and reviewed it and figured out that um, I forgot who it was. I thought I thought it might have been Rodriguez, but I might it be was, wrong. Yeah. Um, double touch the puck, and so they brought all the players back out, and Toronto ended up winning it in the shootout. Noah Gregor with the goal and the goal in the shootout. Um. Yeah, the Leafs are struggling. the The Leafs are really struggling. Uh, I'll take the reins on this while Panos does a little stat search. Um, I, I I went to the game on Friday when they were here in Chicago. Um, they lost to the Hawks four three in overtime. Um, after they led three two for or after they led three one, the Ryan Reeves put the Ryan Reeves goal put them up three to one, and you could just kind of feel it that the Leafs were gonna leaf that game away. And I think if we're just looking at it, the defense isn't good. Like, Morgan Riley is having an outstanding season, an underrated season in my opinion. I think he's been one of the better defenders in the NHL. But after that, the drop-off is so significant that it almost cancels everything out. Um, We can do a little Mitch Marner talk and Austin Matthews. I think Austin Matthews has 14 goals right now, which looks good in the counting stat numbers right and they they put him but nine of those goals have been in three games yeah and then he had another game where he had two goals so (laughs) that's 11 in four games and the rest of the games he has three goals like it's just not working right now it's it's not working um Sheldon Keefe's instinct has been to always put Mitch with Austin and Willie with John um and then around this time of year, like he's done this the last few years where he'll, the Leafs switched up their lines of practice. They put Nylander with um, Matthews and Nyes and they put Marner down with Tavares and Bertuzzi. And he does this every year. He, he did the, like he did this last year and it'll last for the next five weeks. And then right around the new year, he'll switch it right back and he'll put Austin with Mitch. And I, um, uh, to be honest with you, Pano, I'd love to see all three of them, three of them being Austin, Mitch, and Willie. I'd love to tr- see them tried on three different lines, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And I know that that likely right now means because the second line for the Leafs it was great against the Blackhawks. It was really good against the Penguins the next night, even though they lost three two in regulation. Um, and I think to break up that second line in hopes of you know getting Austin and Mitch going, like those guys are supposed to be going regardless, right? And yeah. if you're really going to do something like that. Um, you know, I know Matthew Nye scored, but it was Yarncrock up on the top line with Matthews and Nye's when Nye scored against the Penguins on Saturday. So I would try Mitch Marner with Max Domi on the third line and kind of see how that goes. I know that's viewed as a enormous demotion and it's Mitch Marner and Mitch Marner's already kind of a sensitive guy, right? Um, but I don't know how you don't try and give this a chance, right? They Before the season started, um, and I'm going to let you jump in here in a second. I just have a lot of thoughts on the Leafs. Um, th- there was this whole talk about, oh, we're going to try William Nylander at center. I don't know if you remember that, but there was like, we're, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we're trying William. That lasted like a period of the preseason. <laughs> and then they totally abandoned it and went right back to John yeah. with Willie and Mitch with Austin. It was like, okay, you gave this about 20 minutes of a game that didn't even matter. <laughs> when we have 82 of these bad boys ahead of us, that, yeah. you know, all right, Panos, give me, give me your thoughts. I want to know. I want to know. What so I, I have three bad stats for Toronto here, right? Okay. First off, first off, they lead the league in too many men penalties. All right. Sheldon it's awful. Keith, awful, awful bench, uh, you know, bench. Uh, what do you call it? Miners, bench miners. Yeah. Bench miners. Yeah. He's taken eight of those already. So there's that. Uh, the Leafs are tied with the San Jose Sharks in regulation wins this season. Oh, boy. San Jose Sharks, who people have been saying are arguably one of the worst teams in hockey history, they are tied with the Toronto Maple Leafs in regulation wins this season. And there's six teams that have five or less regulation wins this season, and Toronto is the only team that's in a playoff spot right now that has five or less wins in regulation. The other teams are Montreal, who has three Chicago with five, Minnesota five, San Jose five, and Seattle with five. So I will say that Sheldon Keefe gets a lot of the blame for the too many men on the ice calls. And I agree that that is a coaching thing. That is a coaching thing. But the other part of it, and again, I watched the team live on Friday, so I really got like a good up-close picture of how things were going. And they took a too many men on the ice penalty on Friday in Chicago. And... um, some of these guys, Pano, like, they just don't skate hard off the ice. Like, you're a pro hockey player. Get off the ice. Get off the ice. You Hustle. If, hu- hustle off the ice. Seriously. Like, I know, like, it sounds like a joke and that I'm kidding, but I'm really not. Like, get off the ice. If, if it's your turn to get off the ice, get off. You're a professional. You are the top 1% in the world at this job. There should be no reason. And I see it a lot. Like, Mitch does it and Max does it and... You know, they're like lollygagging to the bench. It's like, get off the ice, you know? So it is a coaching thing, but it is also on the players, too, to to hustle off and also understand the flow of the play. Like, if you have the puck, don't get on it. Don't get on it. If you see there's already five guys out there and the puck is right there, don't don't get on the ice. Like, just, just don't get on the ice. Um, do you think Sheldon Keefe is feeling it a little bit? Do you think he's on the hot seat or maybe the pressure is... Or just the pressure's turned up a little bit more so than it just being Toronto. 
It's hard to tell just because Toronto just gave him a multi-year extension, but at the same time, Toronto's probably one of like the five franchises that can afford to fire somebody one game after giving them a new extension because they are made of money. You know, Toronto Maple Leafs uh, bleed money, so they don't really care if they fire Sheldon Keefe. I don't know if they would put him on the hot seat right now, but I honestly, before the season, I thought they should have let him walk or, you know, had him look, he had one more year left on his deal before this year. I would have let him ride it he out had this year on his deal. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. He had one like this was his year coming yeah. into this, and they gave him an extension before they even saw how the season went. I think that was a stupid move. I would have let him ride it out and then see what happened after. Yeah. Because again, the Toronto Maple Leafs are made of money. They could have afforded to give him whatever he wanted after the season, anyways. It didn't really matter to sign him before he had this season. Um. So, I mean, I don't think he's feeling it just because of the fact that he just got that extension, but I don't think he's the coach for Toronto. I mean, like you said, those guys just kind of uh, don't care sometimes, and that's on the coach again because when have you ever seen Austin Matthews be sit? I know you don't want to see those guys be sit or be, you know, yelled at or whatever because you see in Columbus, like, they're benching. always work. Yeah, they're benching Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine, but at the same time, like, you have to hold your stars accountable when they're doing stuff like that too because – did you ever see someone on Tampa doing that when they won their cups? No. You ever see someone on Pittsburgh doing that other than like maybe Phil Castle, but he was, he had Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on his team. And the so, other, I mean, like they, they were on three different lines. Like when they brought Castle in, yeah. the, the idea was like, Oh, somebody to play with Malkin finally. But it was like, yeah. the reason they won the cups was because Castle was on the third line, not on the yeah, second. Exactly, line. Exactly. And it worked so great because Castle brought that offensive piece to Bonino and Haglin back then, which made the HBK line, which was like one of the best lines in hockey back then. Yeah. Then Malkin was on the second line, Crosby first line with Gensel and Sheary. So. Yeah. So I, I, um, I think the Leafs will get it together. I think there, there needs to be some defense brought in. I don't think Simone Benoit is going to do the job for them going forward. I just want to say, Leafs fans were chirping me for having them uh, third in the Atlantic before the season, but it's looking like at most that's where they're going to finish at. So I mean, yeah, I don't. I think people want to have an overinflated sense of what the Leafs are, but I think yeah. at this point you just kind of have to look at it, and they are mid. They are they are the definition of mid. They are not, you know, they ha- they have the core four of guys, and I think that that has the ability to push them over the edge from being mid into that top tier of teams. But if Willie's the only one of the four that's going right now, and I know John is like producing at that point per game clip that he always does, but John Tavares looks slow. Like I, I again, I saw him on Friday. He, um, he's just getting slower every game and not that he can't still be effective in that way, but the Leafs are going to really need to be aware of that and figure out how to manage it going forward. Um, the other thing, too, I don't know that the goaltending is necessarily going to stay the same as it is right now by the time the playoffs. I was about to, I was about to say about the goaltending, though, that Joseph Wall, that's one good thing for Toronto is, like, I was uh, I was worried about Joseph Wall coming into the season. He's probably looked the best since, like, Jack Campbell's crazy run back in the, uh, the not the bubble year, the year where they had 56 the Canadian games. division season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's he's looked the best since, like, that goalie Jack Campbell was, and that was only a little stint of Jack Campbell, obviously. But that's he's been the best goalie Toronto's had since then. But Samsonov has been actually genuinely unplayable. Like he's every game Samsonov's in that. Even if he has a good game, you can't be confident in him unless he strings like five of those together. Now he needs like a five game run of a nine fifty for you to be confident in Ilya Samsonov. 
Yeah, I um, he he just looks really shaky. He doesn't know what to do with his post sometimes, and it's like he, it's like he freaks out and he dro- he drops his stick probably more than any goaltender I've ever seen in the league, at least any goaltender in the league right now. Just loves like dropping his stick and floundering about, and I I just I, I don't know that. I think he has some games where he's been okay and some games where he's been virtually unplayable. And then Joseph Wall, 10 games ago, 5, 10 games ago, there was a lot of like, oh, we see a lot of Carey Price and Joe Wall. And um, I think that has kind of dipped a little bit. Um, So, you know, I know Wall played last night and he stood on his head against the Panthers. Um, But what are you really going to play? Like the Leafs have... 62 games left like you're really gonna play joe wall in 40 of them you know i don't think joe wall is a like a starting guy i think he's like a tandem guy basically but i think and i think samson was a backup guy i don't think you can have a backup guy with a tandem guy if you're trying to win a stanley cup so if i'm toronto i'm probably going for another tandem guy to pair with wall so you can play them both and run a tandem all right well let's let's see if the leafs figure it out um We'll we'll close on the hockey talk for today. We'll be back Friday afternoon. Um, we're gonna wrap today with a little bit of trivia. We're gonna quiz Panos. Uh, first of all, we just want to say that we appreciate everybody that has been tuning in to us and listening to this. This has been a lot of fun. We're just getting started. We're uh, going to get better every single time. We're gonna do videos and fun different content things like different live things and different shows. And we have ideas for we have really creative ideas for YouTube videos and fun things to kind of grow the hockey world and show um, show the hockey world a different side of hockey that maybe just the normal run of the mill hockey fan doesn't really get to see. So we are really excited about that. And uh, but for now we're gonna we're gonna quiz Panos on what our um, our demographics look like. So. First of all, Panos, I would like you to see if you can get our top five countries in order of order in order. So who, where are our listeners coming from by country? And then we'll do a deep dive into the, into a a couple of the countries, but who are our top five right now? All right. I'm going to go with Canada, USA, Sweden, Finland, and the UK. In that order? Yeah. Okay, so you're actually wrong. The uh, the, right. <laughs> the U.S. has um, taken the top spot. Okay. The, the U.S. has re- wrestled the top spot away from Canada. Um, Canada obviously sits at number two. At three, we have Sweden. Okay, I got that. You did got get that. that. At four, we have Germany. Okay. Shout out to all our German listeners. And five, rounding out the five, we have Switzerland. Oh, okay. So, so that's our top five right now. The rounding out the rest of the countries is Estonia, Finland, Hungary, and Uruguay. Shout out that one guy in Uruguay giving us. Uruguay. A, I also would like to do this because we were looking at the specifics of Canada. Oh no, no, hold on. We're, oh, I'm oh, getting there. Get, okay, I'm getting there right now. Um, so, all right, let's do Canada first. Then, Panos, can you give us? I mean, so only six provinces have showed up, obviously. So we got six provincial listeners. So. I'd ask for the top five, but let's just see if you can hit the six in order of what. In order. Yeah, yeah. Give one to six. Who? Where are where are our listeners coming from in Canada? All right, I'm gonna go Alberta at the one, Ontario two, um, BC three, Quebec four, um, Manitoba five, 
and then Saskatchewan. All right, so I give it to you. You were close, but not too close. So Ontario is actually our far and away number one. They uh, yeah. they're really keep putting Canada on their back for us for our show right now. <laughs> I thought so, it was Alberta because my followers, number one and two, are from Calgary and Edmonton, first really? cities. Yeah, that's what my, where the majority of my, my first and second most followed cities in the world are Calgary and Edmonton. So. Wow. No, Let's I, pick up those numbers then. Yeah, no. So Ontario, one. We got Quebec, two. Alberta, wow. three. Um, so that's – Alberta's right behind Quebec, but Quebec is still uh, two. So shout out our Quebecois listeners. We got Manitoba, four. British Columbia, five. And Nova Scotia, six. The one Nova Scotia listener. We got listener. one guy in Nova Scotia listening. Wow, nobody from Saskatchewan. No. Yeah, dude, this was what I was going to be like, what are we doing, Saskatchewan? It, yeah, if you look across the whole, you know, bottom provinces of Canada, it just a, a big blank over I mean, Saskatchewan. I always forget about Saskatchewan as a province. I mean, it's fair enough that they forget about me. So <laughs> Valid, valid. But come on, guys, that deserves a... We got to get those numbers up in Saskatchewan. All right, so now we're gonna we're gonna wrap up and we're gonna see how Panos does with the the U.S. side of things. Panos, I, I know you probably don't even know uh, ten different states' names, but um, I do. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that was disrespectful. Um, let's see. Can you can you hit the top five? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Let's see if you can right, hit the top, top five. five. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with New York, Illinois. Michigan, um, Minnesota, and California. Why not? Okay. So you were not very close, actually. <laughs> you got one right. Um, <laughs> one? No, no, you got two, actually. Oh, you got two. two. So, yeah. so Illinois is the top one, which, thank God, that's our, that's our goal here. That's our home a, city, baby. That's our home city. That's our home state. Ooh, okay. I should have gotten that, yeah. So Illinois is far and away number one. So shout out all the peeps in Chicago and the rest of the state. Uh, given the show, listen, we're trying to keep things hockey-centric, but also give a Chicago flavor to it. So uh, that's us hitting our mark right there. Um surprisingly rounding out the top five i i was personally surprised like those are the states i would have guessed too if i didn't know um so two is tennessee three is north carolina four is new york and five is massachusetts and just under massachusetts is new jersey no minnesota michigan no no minnesota we got we got a few listeners in california we got a few in pennsylvania shout out the peeps in virginia too um, Rhode Island, Washington State, Vermont, really far corners of the country. Like we got a lot of, we got some Pacific Northwest. We got a lot of Northeast too. A lot of South. We have no Southeast. Michigan there? No Michigan, no Minnesota. I'm from Windsor. <laughs> right next door to Michigan. And when I say none, I mean like not a single person from wow. either of those states. So, hey, that just means there's a lot of opportunity for us to break into those markets. We're, we're getting yeah. there. We're creating our footprint on the outskirts and then we're going to really – dive deep into those hockey mad states well today too we also talked about both detroit and minnesota so hopefully that talk (laughs) appeals to those listeners yeah i think we're we know what clips we're gonna have to put out now to for the the brand all right guys um i think that'll do it we'll we'll be back friday we will uh watch some hockey tonight like i said uh three games tonight 14 on tap tomorrow Panos is going to be really busy, and we'll we'll come back to talk about it all and set you all up for a nice weekend of hockey. Yep. Peace out. Have a good one, everyone.